Hey, Kat, how's it going? It's going. How are you? Good. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, that pause was not tech. That was, I was choosing my mood. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was not being programmed before the call. I was like, oh, yeah, human interaction. I'm good. Just go with good. I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> I follow completely. I'm just waking up right now. If it's the first day in two weeks, I've got a full eight hours of sleep. So, oh, uh... congratulations. Yeah, no, I don't mean to humble brag or anything. <laughs> uh, how was the first day back at work? Um, it's good. I mean, it's good. It's a job. Yeah. Hey, you can't ask for much more than that, I guess. Like, that's... It is what it is until you find where you need to be. Well, like, the tough thing that I'm having with this one is that, like, this is this is actually really close to what I could see myself doing. If not like, this is something I could see myself doing like long term. Oh, wow. It works really well for me. Like this is for sure the type of job that I need to be in, in terms of like maintaining mental and intellectual stimulation. And that there's like a variety of activities, you know, that need to be juggled at all times. Like basically like chaos. It's, it's chaotic. It's hectic. But like, I like that. I need that. Right. Yeah. So like, it's good. My complaints are not with the job. The work itself, fantastic. Enjoying it, can't complain. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess all the other pieces can either fall into place or it looks great on the resume for the next thing. Like, nothing has yeah, to make exactly. a first decision on the first day kind of thing. Well, and that it's so temporary anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, okay, here's my legit complaint. Is that... When I was interviewed, what was explained to me to be the contract, like the terms of employment that I accepted at the end of the interview were completely different from what the reality of the quote unquote contract is, because the reality is there is no contract. Apparently, I don't understand how casual works. OK, well, what I understood was what I was told. So apparently yeah. the person conducting the interview didn't understand like what the actual like what HR was going to do with the situation. Cause I don't even have a piece of paper that says my rate of pay or number of hours I'm expected to work. Like it, I just, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated with like the you need HR all that for, uh, uh, unemployment and stuff. Because if you're jumping off of unemployment to do this, like there's a certain amount of hours you can work and then go back on unemployment. Right. And so I accepted it as a nine week term. I was told this would be till March 31st. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, no, no, it's until we don't need you, which means it could be full time right now. But being casual, if they only need me a couple hours a week, then it goes down. The problem being, I can't apply for any other jobs, right? Like I can't take anything else because until they stop giving me out, like right now, it's great. I'm getting full time hours. That's mm -hmm. fine. But if this slows down, like if they drag this out, 
for six months or a year and it gets to the point where I'm getting like one shift a week, I cannot terminate employment despite the fact that I have no contract without it ending my EI claim. So if we get down to the point where like they have me for a few hours a week, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Like I'm thinking way worst case scenario, which I always do. And I just feel extremely unpleased that I have zero, like I have zero contract. I have zero information to support that. Like I attempted to make an informed decision and there were definitely circumstances going into the interview. I told myself like, if this does not make sense for me financially, I'm not going to put myself in an uncertain situation. You know, like I knew that there were, it wasn't just like, I'm so desperate. I'm going to take anything. I knew that there were terms of employment where I would have just stayed the course and hope for something better because this, it wasn't going to be sustainable. Right. And so I accepted the job on the premise of a contract till March 31st, after which should be negotiated month to month. Like there was a whole conversation about this. And then I started the job. And of course, on the second day, cause today was day five, on the second day of it, um, when I finally met with HR, like those were not, that that's, was not a functional representation of like what's actually going to happen to me now that I've agreed to this. So I'm like, let me guess the person that was telling you what your hours were going to be in the deal is completely different than the person getting you to sign the paperwork. Oh yeah. And there is oh, no paperwork. Every There's time. Nothing. Jesus Christ. Right. That's so it's like, I went into the interview being like, I know what, what is for sure. Yes. For me. And I know what's a no. Yeah. And I was fed information that was like, yes, that's on par with like, that makes sense to me. I feel secure in that decision. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a dumb thing that I'm doing. Um, and then fast forward, like four days later, I'm two days into the job and all of a sudden I'm in a really dumb situation where like, this is, if I knew this was going to be the reality of it, I probably would not have proceeded past the interview. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's one of so those I things that feel- you can look back on and like, it just works out. Cause like, I'm sure no one there is evil enough to like, try to keep you on the hook for one or two hours a week when they know that would well, mess that's you up. The but... thing. That's the thing. It's not a bad employer. It's not like, that's why I'm like, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm okay. It's a good job. I enjoy the job. I'm just personally a little bit irritated right now with the circumstances. I feel like it was a bit of entrapment. Yeah. I, they I, needed something and they assumed I was going to be desperate enough to take anything. So they made it sound really good. And so there's no way I'd say no, where like the reality is actually, no matter how desperate you thought I was, I still had like, um, standards. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel you so much for saying like, there's nothing representing the fact that you did your homework, that you asked the questions, that you were prepared with answers, and you still get screwed in the end. And you're just standing there being like, no, I I did this right. Like, and you want to explain yourself to everybody. It's like me and Leon's man. Oh, fucking Gary, man. You did your research like you you knew going into it what you wanted what you didn't want like got yourself a deal that like that made sense for the end goal and then like now here you are things are trickling in bit by bit and it is complete uncertainty as to when the whole set and everything you've purchased will arrive like yeah, yeah i just it's one of those it's like you probably don't dislike the furniture like when it gets there you're going to be glad to have the furniture like it's not bad furniture but the circumstances are not what you thought you signed up for no. And like I called him two weeks ago because I've gotten my couch, my chair, uh, my dresser um, and my coffee table. 
I'm waiting for my TV stand and my bed, basically, to show up. Uh, like the bed frame. So it ties everything right. together. So I called Gary and I was like, hey, Gary, like, uh, I've been so short with him. I just, I went in dry. I was like, hey, man, like, where's the rest of my stuff? Like, how much longer do we have to wait until we start seeing this? Because you, you called me and told me the bed was going to be here shortly and you only had a few of the pieces. You don't have everything. Like, what's going on? He's like, hey. I'll call you back by tonight at the latest tomorrow morning. And that was two fucking weeks ago. And like, I'm just deciding, do you let somebody walk on you like that? Do you, do you call him up and like give him shit? Because like at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. Like it'll get here. I know it'll get here. What's the difference of waiting a couple of more weeks? But like, I don't like being treated like that. Like you can just fucking switch the script. I treat every deal that I make with people really fucking seriously. And if I owe somebody money, I'm going to fucking pay them back. Like, all right. He, the Tell Him Steve Dave. Uh, I think I've told you about the my favorite podcast, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. one I was going to. They had this big meetup plan. They haven't done a live show in years and years. It was to be the 10th anniversary. Uh, me and my buddy Danny from uh, town here. We're going to drive all the way to New Jersey stay there for a couple of nights, see the show, hang out with all the other fans. Like, it would have been a once-in-a-lifetime fucking experience. And then uh, what? I had bought tickets through Ticketmaster, and Danny had bought tickets through Ticketmaster because that whole fucking crime syndicate of assholes. Fucking Ticketmaster, it like... It's like they automatically sell it to like scalpers and then everybody else. So you have to be online. You have to get in with the second. It's a fuck. Oh my God. It pisses me off. Should I ever be in a position? I will make sure that ticket master never gets any of my business. But so this all is happening. And I was like, all right, well, I'll sell my tickets because Danny's are better. And I sell them to another uh, TSD fan, an aunt. And everything goes through, he gets his tickets, he sends me the money. Well, fucking fast forward a year and a half later, they've had to cancel the fucking show. And now people are trying to get in ticket touch with Ticketmaster being like, all right, can we get our money back? And they're like, mm, sorry, that refund's got to come from the the promoter. And then, oh, my God. Yeah, they're pulling some really shady shit right now, just trying to fucking hide money. And, like, I've called up, I've yelled at people, but the guy that I sold my tickets to is like, hey, can I get my money back? Because it's, everything says that you're going to get paid back. So, like, I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I'm not going to get double paid for this, but now I might have to go out of pocket $200 to pay this guy fucking back just because Ticketmaster might not. And, like, I don't know if that's me doing the thing where I'm just being too good of a person again. And like, well, why should I pay him for something that I'm not going to get paid back for? Like, I'm just out $200 now? Well, no, like, you're all in the same boat. I don't think that's, like, I don't think that's fair that the guy would expect that you would personally pay him. Because if he'd gone through the regular channel along with everyone else, like, you're all in the same boat. Like, they have your money. Yeah. Which was essentially, like, you're the middleman, but... He got the tickets from the same source that isn't paying anyone else out. Like, they wouldn't have been valid because Tim Carr said they were real tickets. They're valid because they came from the Ticketmaster source. Right. So. 
Maybe that's one more thing we can do without after COVID. Like, if that's a, another small victory and change from all this shit, is we get rid of fucking Ticketmaster. I hope they're listening. Fuck you, Ticketmaster. They are so yeah, shady. How many entertainers are not going to want to manage their sales and have, like, the entire infrastructure that you would need to support online sales and, like, the team that they would have to invent, like... I get why people use it. I also get what you're saying and why it's, I mean, they're there to make money too, but. Somebody else has got to be able to step in though. Cause like if you sell a $20 ticket as the musician and then Ticketmaster stacks on $40 in fees and then sells half those what tickets for? to underhanded other like uh, scalping groups like StubHub and shit like that. So they can up the price again. Like, it's just, it's a fucking, it's criminal. It's, it is criminal. It, they have been found out for doing this stuff and they continue to do so. What, like, what are the fees that they justify? Oh, handling fees and uh, sourcing fees and it, there's nothing justified about it. They just keep tacking on shit. And it's just accepted. Well... Yeah. Sorry for my rant. I just get mad sometimes. No, I appreciate it. I'm just over here biting my tongue like we'll never get to what we're actually supposed to be getting to if I join <laughs> in on that bandwagon. Oh, right. Well, it's all about tangents, man. We want to we we have the stuff we have and we can always come back to it for another episode. But I don't know. Maybe this is a good way to tie everything in. We can start down this road is like we were talking about going to work for these people and like making the best of a if not bad situation like I think you and I over the course of all of our conversations have accepted that we have a limited amount of options really mm -hmm. it, we have support from friends from family like especially me I realized the other day like I was I was trying to get stuff done and I was like oh is this dumb is this is this what I want to be doing blah 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 and then you kind of think about it and you're like, I have a long list of people that are just in my corner. Whether or not it's good, people want to support me. But, like, how do you start moving your life forward? And you had told me about van life a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's it's curious. Like, I was watching a couple documentaries on YouTube and stuff like that. And... Uh, I said stuff like that. I'm really trying to stop saying that because in every episode I say that like 95 times. <laughs> it, it drives me I nuts. I say um, like, and it irritates me to no end. <laughs> but I can't, like, I try to be self-aware. But uh, I don't know. It's like it's a go-to sound effect. I just use it. I like it. I don't like to hear it. I just like it because it fills in the spaces. I don't think I've heard you say um a lot, but when I'm editing this episode, I'm sure it'll stand out. Probably. It's usually when I get on a rant and I, I'm conscious that I'm about to say something that I may regret saying, that I'm like, um, kind of like try to detour myself. It's almost like a recalculating, recalculating. You know, it's one of those. Um, if I can say, I just, there, I just said it very clearly. About face. Um, oh my God. No, it's all I can say. <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. 
I've started the last three sentences with, um, so on a different foot here, I wanted to go back to what you were saying in terms of like, no matter how much support, you know, you have on your side, the reality is that there is only so much that you can accomplish or like everyone's kind of, you're limited to your skills and your, you know, scope of, I don't know, ambition maybe in life too. Because realistically, like, I get in like a manic ambitious point and it's not even ambitious. Like I start actively doing things, but just like mentally ambitious where I'm like, yeah, I can accomplish anything. Yes. If I just believe it, then I can manifest destiny. Like I get in these like head spaces, like I'm going to make something of myself <laughs> realistically. <laughs> the moment passes, like it's, it's a fun train of thought to be on for a bit. But I find myself stumped there. No matter how many times I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then I tell someone and they're like, yeah, you can do that. I'm like, oh, guys. But like, mm. I I almost feel like the more genuine friends are the ones that are like, when I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. They're like, but are you really? Like, yeah. I don't know who's the true friends. The mm. ones that are like, yeah, absolutely. You can do that. You know, like follow that path or the ones that are like, let's be real. I think you need a good mix. You need the ones that yeah, are like full out supportive and like, fuck yeah, man, I'll help you do it. I'm in your corner. Let's do this. And then the other guy in the corner just being like, yeah, but we've all heard this before, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> but then you know what? Like, I'm so paranoid to the point where I'm like, okay, you kind of think like, oh, I got those shitty friends. I'm like, not shitty friends, but the friends that shit on you, they're like, yeah, realistically, you're not doing that. Like, honestly and then mm. the ones are like yeah i fully believe in you but then i get so paranoid that i'm like i bet the real shitty friends are among the ones that are like yeah you go on and do that and then they're like talking to each other like can you fucking believe we're gonna convince her she can do it and this time she's gonna try and when she falls out her face we're all gonna laugh and mm. a month from now when she says she can do it again we're all gonna say the same thing right guys like <laughs> yes you can like how many times can we see her fail at the same thing it's like are you actually being supportive or you know Oh my god. You're like encouraging me to fail because it's entertaining. I don't know. My mind is I have trust issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, don't we all, man? I don't know. I don't know who to trust anymore. I think most people are just trying to like, yeah, Tim, you go and do that thing. I'm like, okay. But we were talking about opportunity and yeah, like, how do you create opportunity for yourself? And, like, I look over at some of the people at my work. There's some that work, like, seven days in a row, 12-hour shifts. Because they'll pick up overtime shifts. Or they'll do, like, uh, four days on, one day off, four days on, one day off. And they'll just keep going like that. And I'm like, I can't. I don't oh. have that in me at all. That's, like, at no point an ambition of mine. But, like how do I say this van life? So ah, I'm struggling here, cat. I'm just trying to like describe like there, there is a minimalist option because I'm not big on wanting a great big house or wanting this or that. But at the same time, if I want to live in an apartment, it's going to cost me $2,000 a month plus utilities mm -hmm. and plus this and plus that. And, like, I can't fucking afford that. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, what's next? Like, what is the smart decision? Do I just get rid of everything? And, like, I was looking at trailers last night. I was, <laughs> this is, it, it quickly spiraled into, well, 
what if we all like I, I know three or four people in a similar situation that like we're all working or trying to work or whatever like we don't have that significant other we're into our 30s everything's like fucking feels like it's spiraling out of control what if we all chipped in and bought some land and then on that land we all had you know uh have you seen those trained cargo containers that they yeah. like, transform into the house well what if we like throw up three or four of those and then we get a garden you know you can throw up some fence and it can only just be short term, like we're all there for like five or six years and then everybody goes on their merry little way because over the course of those five years, we've been able to save some money. And then I realize, holy fuck, I'm starting a compound and a cult. Like, <laughs> whoops, that's how yeah, well, fast it happens. Leave? If you're money and it's self-sufficient, why would you ever leave? Like, I'm about that compound life. Literally, oh. my buddy Elliot, he and I play the lottery every week and like deal it, like we both buy tickets he's in alberta i'm in ontario and if one of us wins like we've agreed we're splitting it we're going for the millions but like i've literally drafted up plans for like my tiny house and then we have a compound we have our greenhouses which have three different sections temperature controlled i'm not sure these like 100 percent on board with all of it i haven't like built his house that's for him to do but like i have decided what the compound is going to include basically we have like an activity barn and like, oh, it's fantastic. It's That's fantastic. I can't, wait, I can't wait to win, move away from society and just like live off the land. And But yeah, tiny, tiny living. Um, but well, even now that just got people. far more reasonable because uh, Elon Musk's Starlink, you're able to sign up for it in Canada now. So anywhere you go, you can get high speed internet from a satellite dish. There's so many options that there's, there are, the arguments for why we don't have to continue living the way we do are so, so many. Well, the, like, literally, lack of capital is the only thing holding me in. I say holding me in, like, hmm. you know, like I'm really situated in society. Like, I live in my sister's basement, and not even the whole basement. I have a room. I live in a bedroom. Hey, as someone but, that was a previous basement dweller for the last, oh, I don't know, five years... I'm going to choose not to be offended by that. And I only ever got out of the basement by being able to split rent with somebody else. <laughs> well, you've made it further than me. I left my parents' basement bedroom for my sister's basement bedroom. Mm. I mean, that's we're going on two years of living in basements. Yeah. Uh, basement bedrooms. Not even ba it's not like I have a basement apartment. Like, oh, I live underground. And like, that's where I have my existence. No, like. I have a room. With At no the end of this year, you're going to come upstairs. You'll look like Batboy with like the big pupils and his pale face. <laughs> <laughs> they do let me upstairs like to use the kitchen and whatnot, but I got to keep my food like in a crate in my bedroom. <laughs> you get upstairs when I have to cook and like, yeah, like, and then there's like a little fridge down here for me to keep my foods in so I don't mingle with, you know, their stuff. But yeah, like it's the whole, uh, like I'm living a lifestyle as is, a minimalist lifestyle, but but for van life, I think like I've spent copious amounts of times when I had Instagram on on there looking up like van life, hashtag van life, RV life, and I think like there's there's a few different camps like yeah. reasons why people get into it, and there's the minimalists, and then there's the nomadics, and then of course the before we Arguably, go too much farther, should we just describe yeah. what van life is for the listeners? Oh, sure. Yeah, do you have a definition? Um, 
I guess the way that I would describe it is uh, there's a growing number of people, it's seemingly in their 20s, that realize they can't afford uh, regular society right now. So they buy like a VW van, uh, preferably one of those high top vans, or a smaller RV, and them and their partner, them themselves and their dog, just move into the van. They get rid of everything. And they have everything they need in their van. They go from parking lot to parking lot, uh, campsite to campsite. There's a whole community of followers that they just kind of travel around North America or stay in one city, but eschew owning an apartment or anything like that because it's just that much, that costs you that much less if you can keep your van well maintained. Does that make sense? That sounds fair. I mean, that captures the Instagram version. Yeah. Well, that was the documentary I watched, and it was there was a large portion of that kind of bashing. There is an Instagram... There's a bunch of people that move into vans to start Instagram accounts, and they're like, hey, we're 20, and we're hot, and we live in a van. <laughs> Take pretty yeah, pictures. Yeah, like, hashtag for the gram, something like that. Like, it's all for the Instagram glory or whatever, but... yeah. And I mean, some people, it's not even a choice. Like, you end up homeless. <laughs> it's not even van life. It's backseat of car life. Yeah. That end up living that. Or, I mean, their bed maybe is a pop-up tent that they keep in the trunk of their car. Like, it's a whole... That's... I mean, there's a real sad side to it. And then there is definitely a choice component of it for a lot of people. That's a big uh, common theme in a lot of the stand-up comedians that I, I really love. Uh, they're probably in, like, their late 40s now. But like when they were they were young and they were trying to make it and living in California, they just lived out of the back of their car for years. Oh my gosh, who is the comedian? My buddy Brian used to always like do an impersonation. Oh, Farley, they would say, "Do you want to end up living in a van down by the river?" Down by the river. Yeah, and now like living in a van down by the river is like hashtag dreams come true for a lot of folk. Oh, I'll drop in a clip of that right here. Christopher Farley was an amazing, amazing man. Living in a van down by the river? Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Uh, Brian used to make fun of me because he used to say that all the time. Like, when I'm making foolish choices, do you want to end up living in a van down by the river? And now he's like, <laughs> he's like, five years ago, we used to say that to you as in, like, smarten up. And now we're all watching you, like, plan that life intentionally. Well, and van life does not seem easy. You know, I would have to get rid of 99% of my stuff, all the furniture that I just got and still don't have. Like, there's no <laughs> way that I would be able to fit that in unless I got a bus. But, like, there is a whole subculture of people building the vans at home. Like, it seems like they're really trying to push away from corporations coming in and, like, Ready built ready built vans is that right? Yeah, well, I mean the DIY movement is its own thing too. Plus, I mean you have to be a certain amount of handy mm -hmm. if you're gonna live on wheels and be like attempt self sufficiency. I feel like yeah, it's probably easier if something breaks for you to figure out what's broken, how to fix it. If you were the one that put it together in the first place, so I can completely understand that approach. Yeah, but beyond that, I mean. Yeah, there's the sure there's the minimizing because you're obviously dealing with like a space constraint. 
Um, but beyond that, the, the things that like I've probably invested the most time looking into is shower and toilet options. Toilet options for sure, like composting toilets, or if you just want to go with like a bag and a bucket. And if you want to be fancy, you can put a toilet seat <laughs> over it, you know. But I mean, that's from like a bucket to a with a toilet seat, maybe. Well, to, that's one thing like, that kept came, coming up last uh, night when I was doing my research was they were saying like all these Instagrammers out there like making their money off of living in a van or pretending they live in a van, but no one shows the pictures of you having to go out and like shit in the woods. Well, because some of them have composting toilets. They're quite the thing, like. There's a wide variety of options for waste. And I mean, realistically, your dog shits on the ground and you pick it up in a bag and toss it in a dumpster. There is actually no rule against that. Yeah. It would be something difficult to wrap my head around. Like, if you were living in a van, would you put like a, a time constraint on yourself? Like, are you... <sighs> Is it like for a couple of years or is that like who I am now? I'm van guy. Personally, I I don't know that it's that anyone's wise to be like, I'm doing this forever. I feel like you kind of need an out that like maybe at some point I'll go back to, I don't know, living in some sort of society. I mean, I guess it depends to how you're funding it, because realistically, there's the short term, like, I don't have income. I'm going to take this time to travel and what I do have saved, like, I'm just going to live out of my van and have a year of experiences until yeah. I'm broke and then I have to go back to society and make up money. And then there's people that are maybe independently wealthy and they have like the big fifth wheel. So they're not living in like a van. They're living in like this massive, some of them even like, they call them schoolies, like we'll redo school buses mm-hmm. and like entire families live on these things, you know, and if they're, they're fortunate enough in a lot of cases that, you know, one of the parents maybe has remote work that pays really well and they can afford that as as a lifestyle that where it's not just a short term like I'm going to do this till I'm too broke to afford gas or the thing breaks down and I can't get it off the side of the road. But like we are decidedly going to live this lifestyle and, yeah. you know, have found a way to afford it long term. So I think same as people living in homes or apartments or anything like there's a variety of different lifestyles, even within that lifestyle. I, I, I'm seriously considering what would I save over the course of a year? Like I would have to sit down with a budget and Excel sheet and like every minute of it would have to be worthwhile. But like if I went a year living in a van, would I be able to move my life forward? Like going to work and coming home, I got showers at work. I got washrooms at work. If I have to use the composting toilet at at home, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. I don't know if I could do it, but that might like it, it's so sad that like I'm fully employed and that might be my only way to move my life forward financially like just to like stabilize and like not be working for someone else and just be giving my fucking money away all the time well I think two people underestimate the cost of insurance oh, firstly yeah. because depending on your province like it falls into different categories of insurance if it's like if basically if it qualifies as an RV, then that's a different insurance rate than if you're using it as your like commuter vehicle, which I think people go like stealth mode and try to just claim it as like their commuter vehicle rather than like this is actually my home. Yeah. Um. So like there's that to factor in. But another thing or, or piece that's really difficult for myself, like unless I had 
reliable remote income, I have a dog. I have a large dog. Yeah. So if I'm not in the van with him at all times, and I mean, realistically, my dog can't be in a van at all times. He needs exercise. So we'd have to live a good amount of the day outdoors. Um, so if I can't work remotely where the dog could be comfortable and where I can be there with the dog, then I'm having to put my dog into daycare so that he's not destroying the van or that I'm not getting charged for animal abuse because he can't stay in there if I'm not in it most oh of the summer God, and part I of the winter. I never thought of that. Yeah, in the summer, right. you would never, ever do that to your puppy or right. even so, in like, the winter. Right. So I couldn't like park the van, go to work for the day. Well, no, now I have the expensive doggy daycare or somewhere to take my dog that he's safe for the day while I'm not in the van, you know, or had a second thought, but I kind of lost it. Uh, insurance, doggy daycare. Yeah. For me, the doggy daycare would be a big one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as a lifestyle, if it's not just like, oh, I have all this money and I can afford now to travel even cheaply, but like travel for a while and just sort of see the scenes and then that'd be fine. Then I'm free to roam and my time is flexible. And you know, if it's too warm to be in the vehicle with the dog that I'm out exploring or trying to be at a lake or somewhere where he's keeping cool, like I have that to consider. Ah, mm -hmm. the other thing, the people that do have animals that say like, Oh, they have a system where they can leave the vehicle and the dog safe is if you set up like an AC um, system. Yeah. Right. So in like the RVs or some of the larger vans, like um, Sprinter, Mercedes Sprinter seems to be a really popular one. They'll they'll create like this um, fan system on the ceiling where there's a couple like sources of airflow and then have like a whole AC unit, you know, and, and a lot of them are really neat nowadays. You can control remotely because my worry is great. The AC was running when I left it in the day. If I come home, my AC shit out while I was gone and my dog is now like boiled Cooked. to death in my van because the ac failed you know so i mean yeah technology i would never great. be you able to forgive myself phone. yeah right you could check it on your phone but i would never fully trust that like you know that my phone's gonna report a meltdown i don't know but then you have to think about the investment that you've made now in this ac system and everything that goes along with powering it power being a big thing too um so if you've looked into the price at all of Solar panels are very popular, also very expensive. Depends what kind of wattage you want, like what kind of battery um, you need to support all of your electronics. So you see the people that like, oh, they have like a blender and a full-on, you know, electric stove in, in there. Um, they're blenders and like, I don't know, all these other kitchen top stuff. I think it's mm -hmm. just like the amount of energy you would need to support the lifestyle inside the van where you have all these like cooking appliances is outrageous. So I mean, if you're just talking about bare bones, throw a sleeping bag into the back of a hollowed out van. Yeah. I think like you're really confined in terms of, especially you having a dog too. Like what, what really are your options? Even if it's costing you nothing, what are your options like to manage your life? I think you raise a great point. Like at, at the end of the day, after buying like a compostable toilet about uh, the the units that you would need for your house, uh, all that stuff, like using it as an option to declutter your life and try to save money for a down payment or just a, like, not even a down payment, even if you chose to live rent, like rent for the rest of your life, like taking a couple years where you could build up a bank account where you would have like a little bit of financial stability, but 
the cost of insurance, the cost of the van itself, uh, maintenance of uh, reliable uh, taking care of a dog. Like this isn't an option for somebody just looking to eschew all that stuff. You, you're no. kind of screwed. Like unless you're, like you said, tr- trying to travel across Canada on $10,000 a whole bunch of times and visit everything that's cool. Like maybe that's an option then. Well, and even if you think like, okay, you have a dog, I have a dog, my dog's food bag that I buy him, like, unless I want to be there every week buying him food, it's like 25 pounds. And every pound that you put into your van or your RV, whatever, Mm -hmm. is more taxing on your fuel tank. So like the more weight you have on this thing, the more fuel you're going to need to keep it moving, right? And the more weight that you put in it, the more the more weight that is on all the axles and the frame and like, you know, the wear and tear and and two for, so we covered like the toilet bit. There is also like the black tank option where some of the RVs, like they come already with the toilet in it. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily investing in the composting toilet or, or going as, you know, campy as a bucket with a toilet seat, but two with the shower, like then you'd have to have your gray tank. Same as like, you know, your gray tank where it's not like poop, there's not fecal matter. Well, I don't know what you do in your shower, but there wouldn't be fecal hmm. matter in mine. <laughs> um, brag. You know, but like, yeah, if you can have like the indoor tub, then I'm like, no, because then you have to think about finding waste stations where you're dumping the water, either yeah. the black tank the or the gray tank and or whatever combination. Um, and then some people like they keep the water in, in jugs um, and then other people actually have like a water tank built into their rig right and i mean that all factors into weight and expense as well and with the shower bit i'm like okay i imagined if i don't have the indoor shower like i'm not going to deal with i personally wouldn't want to deal with the black tank the gray tank like i wouldn't be having it i'd be going with a composting option probably diy likely the bucket with with the toilet seat lid like i i can deal with that yeah i mean we've already discussed my shiwi misadventures (laughs) Trail like I'm not I can deal with that I'm not that fussy um but as far as the shower I'm like if there isn't an indoor solution so then to do without the gray tank um outdoor yeah like there's all kinds of nifty racks you can get with a shower curtain that goes around you could hook it to the back doors of your van and you get these bags basically it's like a shower head with a bag of water you probably could make them yourself um, oh I've seen those yeah, yeah. water and yeah and have a quick shower but then there's the privacy feature like, OK, if, if you've chosen Walmart as where you're hunkering down for the next week and you want to shower, you're now doing that with like a shower curtain wisping in the wind around you in a Walmart parking lot. And so now you're bathing. And I mean, people might have something to say about you bathing your filth onto the I mean, it's a parking lot, whatever. But people people have things to say about things. Yeah. Well, you know, that's something things. else, too. Like, uh so you mentioned like the stealth aspect for those that are trying to like kind of get around the insurance and this that and the other thing oh my god i say this that and the other thing so many times too Uh. (laughs) it's also the parking like you don't want to get ticketed for unlawful parking or for loitering or you know so they go stealth mode so that it just looks like another vehicle parked on the street you wouldn't imagine that people are living in it yeah but that changes your options from where you can park from like more reliable under street lights, well maintained, you know, uh, patrolled areas to you're fucking like in some sketchy ass areas. And all there is is a door. Like if someone wants to get in there on you, 
it, it's not hard to break a window like and you've parked away from everyone else to hide yourself like that could get you in a really scary situation on youtube there's plenty of videos that will deter you if you're at all already nervous about that sort of like Mm -hmm. really there's a van door between you and whoever like break and enter and the thing too it's not even like yeah that's terrifying thinking you're sleeping and someone breaks into your van like now you're like fully exposed and they have full access to your home all within reaching distance but beyond that is like if someone steals your vehicle like you park your vehicle take the dog for a walk or whatever you're up to you come back and your van is gone it's not just your van. Your home is gone. Someone drove away with your house. <laughs> that was and one of my notes. Someone doesn't break into your van. They steal your house. <laughs> yeah. You're living in a van you already own so little, but someone stole your vehicle, stole your house, and everything you own in one foul swoop. Yeah. Oh, my God. Your life is just gone. Could you imagine? Like, I'd be searching the parking lot looking for my dog all over the place, like, just praying they didn't take off with my dog, but... I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's for me. I think it's really funny that like people have decided to create like Instagram lives around van life. Like, I guess if you're a traveling photographer, there's, there is, you could be genuine about it, but then there's other people seeing you be successful and then jump on to the bandwagon. Right. And like the minimalist and the nomad in me love the idea but when I've sorted out, like, okay, like, what would that life look like for me for it to be affordable? And honestly, for it to be as affordable as the situation I'm in, it would be shitting in a bucket. Oh, yeah. Hosing myself down when, like, I don't know, roll up to a neighborhood and hope somebody left their garden hose out. And that would be my, that would be my bathing myself regularly. You know what I mean? It's just like. Praying for to that God life someone lets you fill up your little propane tank so you can cook something as opposed to just having cold food or granola bars again. Right. Like, you know, for it to be affordable, you know, there are expenses to it. I'm not saying it's not affordable or more affordable. It's definitely more affordable than your life. I can tell you that Mm -hmm. with your new furniture. Like if that was a regular habit, if if done a certain way, not not all ways, but the most basic version of it, for sure. Like, I think if you want to save money, you'll save money at it. It's just a question of like comfort and convenience over willingness to sacrifice. Well, the willingness to sacrifice, absolutely. But, like, I think about that. I think about what we just talked about with your job at the beginning of the episode. Like, so many fucking employers right now. I'm not saying this about your employer. I'm saying this about, in general, from what I've seen when I've been applying and, like, looking at jobs on Indeed and Monster, is that all these employers have busted up their jobs from a full-time position to two part-time positions or three casual positions where they don't have to give people health insurance or, you know, a, a higher wage. And they can, like, just let anybody go at any given time as work comes and goes, as opposed to having someone fully staff that position. Or this, where, like, there's an initial investment, but, like, if I had $30,000 or $40,000 to set up a van life so that I can then save money long term, I would have a down payment for a fucking house. Like, I am trapped by the, like, I could, I was looking at at trailers, trailer homes, and I'm like, I've I've Mm -hmm. always been disgusted by the idea of it. I'm not trying to judge anybody. And then I'm realizing, like, 
I'm sure there's nice trailers out there. Maybe living in a trailer park isn't the worst thing for me if that was something that I could then own, do what I wanted with, and blah, blah, blah. But it's not a fucking house. So the second you buy it, you're losing on that investment. And like it's hard to get a mortgage for one of those too because they know by the time the mortgage is paid off, you have more or less a worthless house. And like on top, well, yeah, sorry. Some of them are super gorgeous. I will say that. But, but two is that you don't own the land. So you're right. Like the value that you'd be working towards if you're going to, uh, do you ever own the land firstly, but, hmm. but, but very specifically, you do not own the land, not even the illusion of owning the land. You pay rent on yeah. the land to the park and then you pay the bank on a mortgage and in some places it's not even called a mortgage it's a loan um for a mobile home yeah well and you, you mentioned land uh i don't know if i've sent you the articles but uh two weeks ago uh the statistics canada released a uh the information i forget i think it was cbc or ctv had done an article on it um Belleville is one of the top is in the top 10 fastest growing cities in Canada. Yeah, like, we're like number 3 or 4, I think. Yeah. And then U-Haul 2 weeks later says no, they are the most popular uh like moving destination right now. Like we are the fastest growing city in Canada. So Oh, yeah, you're right. There's a there's a really big difference. Yeah. <laughs> well, U-Haul's just like, it's "Nah, fuck Kelowna. you." It's, it's like it's Yeah, it's not Kelowna, it's not Halifax. Like these major Look, cities with ship. Toronto folks like it. It's it's scenic. So, yeah, if you want to get the heck out of Toronto, which a lot of people want to get the heck out of Toronto with the pandemic, like it's close enough, but also far enough. Oh, and within five years, we'll have the GO train. So if you want to go and work in, in uh, Toronto every day, you drive to the GO train station and you have, what, an hour train ride in? With the, like, that's probably a lot faster than living in Toronto and dealing with the traffic there. But all yeah. to say, to even put a bid on land, land for a couple of acres, you can't pay $100,000 for that anymore. You know, that's all going up to bidding wars, too. You can't even buy the I land to not own a house. It really depends on priority. For me, like, I've considered the mobile home thing. And honestly, it's not a bad deal for me because I don't particularly care to, to pretend like I own land. Yeah, That's, that's not a bother. Like, a, a roof over my head, an affordable roof over my head. If I could decide I was going to stay in one place long enough, sure. Like, that's a perfectly fine solution for me, you know, but I understand why though, you know, different needs, different wants. I say too, that the, the van life, like, well, that could work for me too, to a certain extent, it, everything all comes down to the expense, but like realistically, what doesn't work for me would be buying and owning a home on a chunk of land. I supposedly own like what, like your dream is my nightmare. I don't want to deal with the upkeep. I don't want to deal with the idea of being stuck to it. And if you want out of it, then you got to deal with with all the shit, but in reverse that you dealt with getting into it. So the real estate and whatever, like an agent and like I think all of that. I just want to clarify off. one point. As much as I talk about owning a home, what I really want is an affordable place to live where I don't have to be conscientious about anybody other than myself within the confines of my home. 
and do whatever I want with that house. If I want a blue wall, I'll paint the wall blue. I'm just, I'm sick and tired of living in other people's houses. Sounds like what you need is a compound. Yep. You can do whatever you want, build your own little hut, or bring your own sea can, whatever you want to live in. I'll let you know if ever I win the lottery, I'll let you know where we're setting up our compound. Do you think I have the voice to be a cult leader? Whatever you want to call it, commune, cult, compound. Good evening, my owls. Now let's. (laughs) Father Carr needs your money, children. And only at $10 a month can you help support the dream of a paradise. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I wish. Take my money. I'd support that cause. Oh, I I thought I was daydreaming one day about winning the lottery. And I'm like, because everybody gets up there. And when they're doing like the acceptance speech of them handing the big check, they never have anything fun to say. They're like, oh, I'm going to donate to charity or I'm going to you know, help out family and friends. I was like, how fucking great would it be for someone to get up there? Because you're rich now. You can do whatever you want. Just be like, well, um, I'm going to buy some land and uh, build a compound and, uh, you know, really just try to learn from the mistakes of other cults. You know, get a lot of fire extinguishers. We don't need a crash situation. (laughs) Just see the look on their face, like see how long you can go. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm definitely starting a cult with your money. Thank you. <laughs> I'd remain anonymous. Like, no <laughs> one, I wouldn't want anyone to know, and no one would ever hear from me again. Mm, I think I'd spread it out. I don't need $70 million. I could make $10 million just go forever. Pay myself out $100,000 a year for 100 years? You kidding me? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't share. I'm just saying I would not publicly broadcast. Oh, me Firstly, neither. I don't want anyone to find me. Secondly, it's nobody's business. No. Um, I got two last notes about van life before we can move on to something else. Um, one is, is van life like being a vegan or doing crossfit can you just live in a van without telling everyone that you live in a van oh my god <laughs> Maybe you found that joke on a meme or something <laughs> well that just comes from like everything that i was seeing is like uh just the instagrammers living in vans and then all the other vanners hating the instagrammers that live in vans um and then how terrible would it be because there's so many couples in these vans like number one, going on like consistently living with your spouse all day, twenty four seven. In a bucket beside the bed. <laughs> oh my god! Could you fucking imagine the horror that's show? Good. I feel like that's a whole other category of intimacy and acceptance, and you know, everybody poops. Okay, I could handle the pooping, in all honesty, but the constant contact. The like, just the fucking, you wake up at 7 a.m. and she's got something shitty to say and you just sit there and you got to seethe about it because you don't want to start a fight in the van. You're allowed, first, you're definitely allowed to get out of the van, take a breather. I feel like maybe rainy days or like blizzards, those days you bite your tongue, but like 
I feel like you don't actually have to be attached to each other. Plus, mm-hmm. I have bigger concerns for your relationship, like in any space. But the, that's the, that's your go-to. I, I just think every human being needs a little bit of space, and there is not enough to maintain a healthy relationship in a van. I start leaving my socks everywhere, and I got to hear about it. No way. Oh, you don't leave your socks anywhere in van life. You can't be like a fucking van life. I, before no, I go to bed, I kick my socks things. off. I That's a habit that I will go to my grave with. Yeah, I think your girlfriend's like, I'm latching the back door and losing you. If you're leaving your goddamn, leave the glue seat up, your socks everywhere. Oh, I don't know. Like these, so these I guess it's my turn to clean the poop bucket again. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, so we're just going to leave the windows open all night and just let all the bugs in? That's fun. That's fun. Oh, good. Good. We got mosquitoes everywhere. Thank you. That's oh, so much fun. <laughs> could, yeah, you're Could right. you breathe yeah, quieter? I just, I don't want to sit across from you while you're breathing that loud. Can you not? Okay. Yeah, I'm sure the smaller the <laughs> the more likelihood for irritation. That's fair. Yeah. I feel like you'd want to you'd want to know and trust your relationship, like before van life. I'm not sure you start one that way. I would I would watch that reality show if there was just like a young couple <laughs> that meet up and they just throw them in a van life for like six months and just see how much they like they fall in love and it's so cute and then they fucking hate each other. <laughs> I don't know why that would bring me joy, but it would. I feel like it'd be good for a while because, like, the thrill and novelty of it would have you in high spirits, even through some of the like shittier moments. I feel like I feel like six months is not long enough to get to like homicidal, unless there already like unless there was already like not enough common ground there. But cat, I am highly irritating. I promise you, I am so irritating. There is no woman that could go that long. Well. <laughs> I'm like I'm not. I don't really want to argue with you, but <laughs> I want to say you're very judgmental on yourself. Like I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Then again, I haven't spent extensive amounts of time with you, so you might be right. Yeah, I, that's why I keep it like low doses for everybody. I have lots of friends that don't interconnect, so I can just like drop in, and just as I'm getting to the point, I can go to the next friend. 